Today's podcast brought to you by Elders and Reinegard by Zoetis. Hello, I'm Kerry Lunigan. Welcome to the Weekly Grill. Today's special guest, the boss of an outstanding beef value-added business, Jim's Jerky, it's called, a one-time NAB agribusiness rising champion from a little town west of Toowoomba on Queensland's Darling Downs. Let's welcome Emily Pullen. Emily, welcome. You're on the grill for uh, Beef Central. Good morning. Thank you for having me. Emily, we'll get to your very interesting uh, company shortly, but I have to mention you started your working life as an agronomist. Uh, where and where did that start? Look, I wanted to be an agronomist since I was about eight years old. Um, my parents had a mixed grazing and um, cropping property um, on the Northern Downs, and we had DPI agronomists come out, and they always got good smoko. Mum always made really good smoko for them, and I just thought their job seemed really interesting, driving around the paddocks, um, you know, just, at, just when zero till was really sort of kicking off. So I thought that would be a fabulous job, and I went into it, but after a couple of years, I sort of... Um, it, yeah, I, I, I sort of thought that my career might have needed a different direction, but I did do a couple of years as an agronomist. Yeah. So, you, so you fell in love with the soil, even though your dad was a, a very uh, reputable uh, drought master breeder. Yeah, no, well, you know, part of running um, a good um, cattle operation is obviously having good pastures. And, um, and I think dad would have described himself very much as doing cropping as well as the cattle. So. Yeah. So look, it was a it was a great experience, but I, I certainly I can't keep the anything out of my lawn now. So I think I've lost any skills that I had once. So in that where space. where was this? Where was your property at when you when you were growing up, Emily? Mum and Dad um, hail from the Northern Downs in the in the Jurong region, actually. Okay. Um, and when I was about twelve, um, we moved to Rolston, uh, near Rolston in Central Queensland. Um, and Mum and Dad had a partnership up there for a number of years. So it's sort of regional Queensland, really. Yeah, so your dad is Jim of Jim's Jerky fame. But w- when did you get to that little town west of Toowoomba and everything started from there? <laughs> everything started. Yeah. yeah, the wild ride. Well, mum and dad, as I said, had a, a partnership outside of Rolston and um, when they sold that property, dad actually wanted to um, go further further out and actually go to the Northern Territory. And mum said, absolutely not. <laughs> I'm not going with you. So they ended up in Toowoomba and there was a butcher shop for sale at Charlton, just west of Toowoomba, as you mentioned. And it was owned by a South African fellow who um, was doing wholesale butcher work. But he had a little dryer in the back corner of the butcher shop, which he was making biltong in Kerry. And Jim you know, had never heard of Biltong. Biltong, Biltong's the South African version of uh, jerky, isn't it? Yeah. It is, yes, that's right. It's sort of a bigger, thicker piece, a a bit softer, and and we we still make that product this day. And Dad tried it and went, oh, this is is really good stuff. And at the time, you know, there wasn't a lot of of jerkies in the marketplace. And having spent, you know, 25, 30 years making really good quality premium beef, Dad reckoned, well, we probably needed to, to move that into the snacking space. So uh, that's what got the start, was tasting that biltong that fateful day. Did he know what it was or did he have any idea how to produce this biltong stroke jerky? No, well, not really, but it's a it's quite a simple process, actually. It's, but it's, it's hard to get right and, and to get right consistently. So, you know, had, come, had sold the property um, near Ralston and, and came down and bought the butcher shop 
closed down the wholesale meat part of it and said, I'm going to make, I'm going to make biltong and jerky. This is really good stuff. I really like it. I think people will really like it. Um, which was an absolutely crazy thing to do, really, so, in hindsight. What, what year was this, Emily? That was the early 2000s, wasn't it? Or? Yeah, that um, was in 2004. And the family law is that in the first month, they made um, 12 kilos of, of, of jerky, of biltong. And we're on the Warrego Highway, and, and Dad sort of said he, he watched all the cars roaring up and down the Warrego Highway, and he's like, oh, no, now I've got to get people to buy this stuff. So yeah. that was the beginning. So, so what about how did you – Develop this product. I mean, and you must have taste tested it. Did you give it to your friends and say, "Have a bite of this and tell me what you think"? Yeah. Look, when Mum and Dad first started, and and it's something that we still do to this day because it's so important. Um, Mum actually took a corner of a, of a freight friend stand at Farm Fest, which is an agricultural field day just outside. Oh, of I Florida. know that well. <laughs> yes, indeed. Yes, and so um, she took some jerky out there um, that they'd made and did a lot of sampling with people. You know, try this, try this, because you have to remember, twenty years ago as well, jerky was not. I mean, it's it's a much more well known and and well consumed product now, but it was really you know in its infancy. You know, meat snacking uh, twenty years ago, and people were trying it. Oh, this is good stuff. Yeah, I'll buy that. I'll buy that. And I think mum mum sold out of what she'd taken, and I think she made four hundred dollars. And we were like, oh well, we're on our way. And I think that's that's how it started. <laughs> right, your your dad, mum and dad settled on topside steak as the uh, as the best basic cut for beef jerky. Why why was uh, topside chosen? Topside's a really great um, raw material to work with because it it's not you know we we're sort of the opposite of the traditional um, steak requirement. We we want a, a zero marble fat score. Um, and, and top sides are really clean muscle and then it doesn't have a lot of intramuscular fat. It doesn't have a, any seams. So it's a really clean piece of meat to work with. Um, so when you slice it up and so we have a very simple process, as I said, it's, it's, it's simply sliced, it's dry spiced and then it's dehydrated. And so it does that job really well. We don't, we don't like a lot of fat traditionally because fat doesn't actually dry. So yeah, that's, that's how top side gets its run. The top side comes from the, um, the hind leg, I think from, Memory does it not, and it's a, it doesn't have a great deal of fat on it. So, so let's take us through the uh, the drying process. What sort of sure. oven do you? How do you cut up the top side, and what do you do with it then? So we get the top sides. We trim it, trim it of all of the fat on the outside because, as I said, fat doesn't dry particularly well. Um, it's sliced into steaks, and then we um, dry season it. So there's a couple of different ways that different jerkies are made, and and you know we we tend to make a traditional biltong style, which is it's not marinated, it's dry spice, so our spice mix is dry. Um, and then we lay it out on racks and it, we put it into um, what's essentially a really big air fryer almost, a lot of airflow, and we control the temperature and humidity to dehydrate. So it's not actually cooked, it's just dehydrated. And in jerky, which is our main product, we um, yield about 38%. So we lose a heck of a lot of the product weight uh, through water loss. Um, and so when we pull it out, it's quite a dry product and, and entirely different to meat, really. It's, a, it's become a, a, a dried product then. So what temperatures do you cook at? You rack it on the oven, of course, and then what do you turn the oven up to? Um, we hold the temperature at about 40, between 40 and 45 degrees. So again, um, c- cooking traditionally starts at around 60 um, degrees Celsius and we hold it at 40 and um, takes about 24 hours to, to dehydrate down oh. to where we want it to. That is the yeah. ultimate slow cooking, isn't it? <laughs> it really is. Yeah, it's just it's a, it's just imagine being in a um just in a big fan, 
just with airflow constantly going over the meat, just dehydrating it. So it's that osmosis process to pull the to pull the meat out uh, to pull the water out of the meat onto the surface and and, and dry it off. When you started twenty odd years ago, were, were there any similar products on the market in Australia? Uh, yeah, there were. So there was um, there's two market leaders, um, and they and they remain um, one one being um, a company based out of Casino called New World Foods, and one called Jack Links, which is an American. Um, company and they, I, I would say, they are the global dominant company in, in the space. And there's been there was quite a few, um, I guess, challenger brands that started up a, a similar time to us. There was probably a heavy South African influence with a lot of people moving over and just you know people looking for functional snacks and and thinking about beef jerky in a different way. So um, there's there was a few and there's a lot more now. And I think that just shows how much the the market has grown and, and people's acceptability of of um, snacking on on Aussie beef has grown, which is pretty fabulous to be a part of. Yes, the uh, the, the dried meat. Uh, culture is part of country all over the world, isn't it? I mean, if you think the Middle East and the United States, they're, they're all having a go at, at a form of dried beef. Yeah, well, you know, it's the oldest form of, form of preservation in the world. And I think, as you said, every culture has some sort of history of, of a, dried, um, a dried protein. So, you know, in Asia, for example, there's dried squid and dried fish and no matter where you go, there's some form of preservation that's, um, that, that takes it out. So we're, we're just part of that long tradition now. When you first started, you mentioned that you had about uh, 10 or 12 kilos of topside to work with. Th- that was your turnover for the first month? Something along those lines, yeah. That's, well, that's certainly family law now, Kerry, so we'll run with it. <laughs> so you sold all that. What, what are you up to? You're 16 or, 15, 16 or 17 years later. What are you up to now? If you, just a broad well, figure will do. I don't want you to yeah, give away commercial secrets. But, um. Look, we, we probably um, can, can take into um, up to about three tonne of raw materials a week and process it. And that's across a couple of different um, products. So we've got jerky, which is our, um, I guess, our primary. And then we also have biltong. And we also do um, small goods, dried small goods. So um, where we use our tr- where we use trim to make dried sausages, um, flavoured dried sausages. So it's certainly grown um, quite a lot. And, um, and we're, look, we're really excited about the growth prospects as we move forward as well, yeah. um, you know, especially if we start looking at um, into the export space and, um, and even just, you know, finding new places and new homes for our products um, domestically. So we, we're we still pretty excited about where else we can go. And do you have secret herbs and spices you mix with these uh, this dried meat? Yeah, no, we certainly do. <laughs> so when we first started, um, we used to mix our own spices actually and we had this old, no, not old, but we had this old cement mixer actually where we used to do our spice mixing. I mean, the the the, the growth of and the organic growth of gyms has just been quite amazing with, with gyms sort of, Oh well, we need to mix spice. What can we use? Oh, I reckon a cement mixer would do the job. But uh, we've we've moved on now. We we work with a flavour house out of Brisbane, um, and uh, they're they're great to work with as well when we're doing um, our NPD, our new product development around the things that we're trying to achieve. And um, so yeah, but no, we do have. It's called Jim's Spice. Uh, Jim's Dry Spice, and it it comes in by the ton at the moment, which is pretty what exciting. A ton. <laughs> and you're doing what three or four tons. A week or a month? A, a week of raw a material. Week. So, but don't forget, we we shrink that down to only thirty eight percent of where it started. Time for a break from our podcast series on the girl. Our guest today, Emily Pullen, CEO of Jim's Jerky. 
Breathe easy with Rhinogard, the only single-dose intranasal vaccine for control of IBR in your cattle. Get in control of bovine respiratory disease, that's BRD, before it begins. Just deliver a single intranasal spray of Rhinogard for rapid IBR control and add a single dose of Bovishield MH1 for protection against pneumonia. For rapid protection against MH and IBR in your weaners and pre-feedlot cattle, breathe easy with Bovishield and Rhinogard. Available from your local vet today. For over 180 years, Elders has proudly been supporting Australian livestock producers. Elders supports your business across the production cycle with more than 350 livestock agents, access to specialist livestock advice and auction services. Draw on our established relationships to buy and sell commercial and stud livestock across domestic and international markets. Enjoy Del Credere guaranteed payments when you sell with Elders. Livestock funding also available subject to approval. Elders for Australian agriculture. You're back on the grill with Beef Central. Our special guest today, Emily Pullen, CEO of Jim's Jerky. What's happened? Now, you're buying topside. The impact yes. of the rise in meat prices over recent times, I'm not talking about the last three or four months, but the rise in meat prices, has that had much of an impact on, on your business? Yeah, look, um, Jim's probably um, can speak more clearly to this because I've only, I've only actually been um, in the business now, back in the business for seven years, and obviously, you know, there was a long, a long history before that. But Jim said for the first ten years, um, our meat prices uh, that we were paying as a domestic, um, you know, beef consumer tracked along with the ecchi. Yeah. But probably five or five years ago, probably now, we really started to see that that change, and um, you know, things that were happening on on cattle pricing, we weren't seeing being reflective in in the meat prices that we were that we were seeing. So we really have to compete with um, international markets for the, the product that we're using. And the other thing that's probably happened in the last 10 years, and, and I mean, I think it's a, it's a credit to the, you know, to the, to the Australian beef brands getting as much value for the carcass as they can, is that the top side that we use has really gone from being a secondary cut or, you know, a, a, a sort of a primal processing cut to, to being a much more valuable cut as well. So um, we've seen, we've seen the price go up a bit and, um, you know, Jim Jim has very strong pr- principles around the raw materials that we use because he, he always wants to create a really premium product. So we're a bit mad and use YG uh, top side for our product. Yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, the other thing that, that now as we're maturing as a business and we're getting a lot more um, understanding around cuts under our belt, we're starting to seek now, well, what other cuts can we use and what other NPD can we put in place to, you know, we'll always use that primary cut but if there's other parts of the carcass that we can value add to what does that look like and that's sort of the phase that we're moving into now which is also really exciting yeah um, where do you selling now emily you you're selling at shows i know and ag fest etc and things like that yes. you're, and you're in woolies i understand but not in coals yeah we're in woolies we did do we did have a stint in coals so um but we're at the moment we're just um in in woolworths and in a prop um in what's called petrol and convenience so um, Caltexes and Pumas and Uniteds and things like that. So, um, you know, as a, as a road snack, um, in those sort of national petrol convenience. Yeah. Um, and, and we also have our, what we call our jerky cellar door at Charlton. So we've been there for 19 years and that does a great trade. We get lots of different kinds of people coming in and, um, it's, you know, the experience they can choose the biltong stick that they'd like. And we, we, you know, we 
cut it up for them and um, they can try all the different products that we have there. So that's yeah. a really important part of the business too. Speaking of Charlton, a population about 100, you employ a fair percentage of the Charlton population, don't you? Yeah, look, we've got a really fabulous team. We um, we have uh, a couple of people that come out from Toowoomba, but we've, you know, Charlton and Kingsthorpe and Oakey. So it's really nice to, um, to be a long-term regional employer. Um, yeah. But, you know, having been there for almost 20 years, Kerry, um, the development that's happening around there is quite eye-opening. For a while, we were the only, you know, we were sort of the, the lonely outpost. But, yeah, we've got lots of businesses popping up around it. So we're sort of watching Charlton grow in front of us. Oh, the real estate out there will be a hot ticket, I suspect. Yes, yes, mm. it definitely is. So you had a bit of a setback not so long back with a fire. How did that take, what happened there and how did you recover? Yeah, so I, the first thing I'd say is I don't recommend it if, um, <laughs> if you can avoid having a fire. Uh, so we, we had a, it ended up being an electrical fault in one of the fan motors in Dryer 2. So we can get really specific. We, um, you know, they're, they're quite amazing, the guys that come and do the fire investigations on how they can pinpoint exactly where a fire starts. Um, so the, it occurred in one of our dryers, which um, thankfully sits external to our um, main processing. So we lost both of our primary dryers, but we were very fortunate that QFES actually built a new facility um, next door to us about 18 months ago. <laughs> so um, their crib room actually looks uh, towards Jim Jerky. And, and when we sort of went over to say thank you to the team the day after the fire and, you know, give them some jerky to say thanks for saving our factory, yeah. they actually said that they were in their crib room and they could see the smoke. So they all were already getting dressed and pulling on their trousers before they even got the call. This is the fire so, brigade almost next door. And you have right a fire next door. I mean, we really... That. We, look, if you're going to have a fire, be next door to the QFS and make sure that they're watching. So they came over. Um, you know, we had some accelerants there because we had we have diesel and yeah. some uh, some gas cylinders and stuff. So it would, it would have been a tricky thing. But they, they got it out. I think it was in something mad like 12 minutes. It was really very quickly done. They managed to keep the fire out of our processing rooms. And um, so a lot of you know soot damage and things like that but it could have been so much worse so we're really thankful absolutely and you as i say you employ a fair percentage of the uh, charlton population now you yourself emily you're involved in a quite a significant mentoring program tell us about that i actually have been involved with two over my career and the australian beef industry and and what i will say is um you know, as an industry, we we do that really, really well. Um, so, in I was a young ambassador for Beef Australia in 2006, back um, all, all that time ago, and um, and then more recently in 2019, <coughs> excuse me, I was um, part of the Rising Champion cohort with Cattle Council of Australia, which is now um, Cattle Australia. And what it does is it gives the opportunity for young people who are interested um, or involved with the beef industry to to I guess meet people that are in in uh, these positions and understand how policy is developed and sort of just get a real mentorship in the industry because it's something I'm really passionate about um, the Australian beef industry and obviously a bit further down the line being in value adding but I think coming from that farming background you sort of you sort of feel um, really connected to producers and things and. Yeah, so I've, I had a great experience with both of those programs. And importantly, when you're in a small business, it gives you um, access to mentoring that, you know, you might have if you're in a big business, but when you're in a small business, it kind of allows you to see outside of, um, you know, what's a small leadership team as well. Indeed. Now, what are your aims for Jim's Jerky, the business, over the next little while? Well, we're almost back sort of 
fully recovered from the fire now. So we're, we've got tradies in this week putting some new ceilings in and, you know, because soot is very damaging, which I had no idea about. So, um, so to, to get back to full, full production noise and be able to start, um, you know, really pushing hard for new market development. But I think if I had two real goals for gyms, it's to realize the export potential. So we got um, export accreditation at the end of 2019, so just before the onset of COVID, which sort of knocked the sales out of a lot of um, growth, I think, for businesses all around the world, um, and then obviously the fire. And the other one is exploring what new product development might look like, um, taking the expertise of uh, value-adding, taking you know protein into the ambient space and just seeing where we can take that and, and what consumers' interests are in if we can present them some different kind of products. So we've just recently released a kids' brand, Kerry, called Jimmy's Beef Bites, and that's um, mixing vegetables in with a dried sausage as a lunchbox snack for kids because there's not a lot of protein-based lunchbox snacks, and as a m- mother of young children and always trying to get healthy snacks into them, that's an area that we um, are really passionate about. So, yeah, it's just, it's just an exciting time to be um, to be in the industry, really. That's outstanding, and you're three or four tonnes of topside a week, that's equally outstanding. Emily Pullen, your story, your family story of starting and building a Jim's Jerky to the business it is today is a great example of value-adding in an industry where, I must say, we probably don't see enough of, of that, or enough of value-adding, that is. Emily Pullen, CEO of Jim's Jerky, thank you for sharing your success story on the grill for Beef Central. Thank you very much for having me. And thank you for joining us. Until next time, I'm Kerry Lonigan. This has been the Weekly Grill brought to you by Elders and Reinegard by Zoetis.